0: We met on Twitter for sure. Uh, I don't really remember yeah, yeah. the specifics about how or why. Uh, I think we were just. I think I had see, like messaged you or seen you about doing like graphic design things when I was like looking for it was about getting a work. logo. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. were like, "Here's my quote," and I'm just like, "Yeah, it's way out of my price range." And you were like, "Oh, I, I like work at this agency and stuff," and I'm like, "Oh, I've heard of them before," uh, and like at at Foundation, Foundation has used that agency before. And I'd, like, recently been looking mm-hmm. a lot at those designs for, for a project I was working mm-hmm. on. And I was like, dang, those things are really, really good. Like, some of the best design work that I've, I've like, ever seen. I was just like, oh, yeah, I want to talk to you. Like, so like, that's, that's, that's why you're here, Phil. Uh, so, uh, all right, yeah. So, like, tell us a little bit about yourself and, I guess, like, your your background. We'll just start there. Yeah. I'll give you i uh,
1: I'll try to give you my life skinny. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm almost, I'll be 37 next week. Uh, so I'm getting up there close to 40, which is kind of scary, but, uh, my design journey started in high school. Um, I got into Microsoft front page, my junior senior year of high school, which I don't know if anyone listening to your podcast has ever heard of Microsoft front page. I've uh, never even heard of it. It doesn't exist <laughs> anymore. Uh, I thought, so it was basically how you published websites. Like it was like a no code website builder, uh, from Microsoft back in the, had to be like late 90s, like early 2000s. Dang, um, legit. And so I got into that a little bit. I thought it was cool. Um, started school at the University of Georgia. Um, I played drums. And so I was in a band. We were like a punk, like pop punk band. And I was the only one that had really any uh, background at the time of doing like much graphic work. And so I kind of started to get into it. I, uh, I snagged a copy of Photoshop 7 and was spending all night. I was staying up all night long watching tutorials, you know, on gosh, YouTube was pretty early around that time too. Um, so there weren't as many, there weren't as many YouTube tutorials as there were like written, like long form, uh, like kind of blog post tutorials. So I was doing a lot of this kind of stuff, um, around 2000, I guess, four, uh, fall 2004 and spring 2005. And um, so I was, I I got into, uh, into designing t-shirts and websites. That was kind of my first thing, you know, I was doing band merch and doing web design. Uh, The iPhone hadn't come out yet. I don't believe at that point. So there weren't really this idea of mobile apps didn't exist. Um, And uh, I got into that, did it more and more. And I started doing at the time, AOL instant messenger was the way that you chatted with your friends online. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. There wasn't, there wasn't all these other chat uh, uh, capabilities. There were a few, but AOL was like the. They were like the jam. Right? Everybody had an AOL screen name. AIM so, was legit. AIM was
0: legit. You guys Do you guys so actually I, spell it out when you would say it? Like all the cool kids would just call it AIM.
1: I, I, I used to say AOL Instant Messenger. I would say it all out. Probably <laughs> I wasn't. Maybe I wasn't cool though. I don't know. Uh, but I. Uh, but I. What I started doing was with these tutorials, I'd start designing my friends' screen names in cool ways, and then I would send it to them. I'd be like, "Yo, I did this. It's kind of just practice, you know." And then I started doing that for bands. I started doing band names. Uh, and doing graphics for bands and sending them to like, Hey guys, you know, I just did this for fun. I've been listening to your band. I'm just practicing design, you know? And, uh, over time someone came along and said, what do you charge to do a t-shirt design? And I was like, charge, I could make money doing this. And, um, I was like, I don't know, $50. I don't know. Like what's normal to, you know, what do people pay for design work? I have no clue. And so within, um, let's say I probably had been designing for about a year and a half and ended up Uh, hearing about a design job that opened up at a screen print shop and applied for that as a, in my third year of school and got the job, uh, quit school mid semester, like right before the middle of the semester, I withdrew from school, took a job as a creative director. I was the only designer, um, of a small little screen print shop, about 10 employees. They grew to about 40 within a year and a half, which was insane. I had to hire two other designers, um, to kind of work as a, you know, on a team with me. Uh, one of which kind of taught me a lot about design, which was weird because he was way far ahead of me and way better uh, than I was. And then another guy I had to hire was probably forty-five years old, and so and he had been in design for decades. And so I felt like super underqualified. I think I was twenty or twenty-one at the time, and and I, I had this position right. So I felt after about a year and a half, uh, I felt like kind of I had so much on my shoulders. I felt so much stress. I was like I can't do this anymore. So I quit and I went um, back to school. I had kind of a um, summer semester, fall semester. I was a math ed major at the time actually had nothing to do with design at that little stage of my schooling. Um, I had a pretty like radical sort of life change. I was a pretty, I was a pretty big, like drug sex, rock and roll guy. Um, and I had been for probably four years. I mean, just is what it was, man, I was, that was my life. Um, I designed during the week when I had a job and the weekends I partied and I played music. And, um, and so that was kind of my life. So I had a pretty radical like life transfer transforming thing. I'm a Christian now. And so I, I went through this like really radical transformation. I had a lot of addictions in my life that uh that literally overnight they were gone. Um so uh I, I kind of didn't know what to do trajectory wise from I didn't want to do math ed really, you know. I was like, I don't really want to do math ed in school. So I went, I transferred back to the art school. i had changed my major five times, had no idea what I wanted to do in college. I was the whole my whole time in college, I was trying to find a way out of college to not have to go. Um so I I uh yeah, I went back to the art school and then I kind of had this conundrum. I was freelancing on the side, I was in school, and I had to decide am I gonna am I gonna design full time or am I gonna do school full time? Because I can't do both. I have clients, I got paying stuff over here, I have a job basically working for myself, or I can go to school to do what I'm already doing over here. So I was like, well you know what, after this semester, I'm just not going to sign back up for classes. And I'm just going to go headlong into like designing, like start a freelance, get a, get officially like legal, right? Create an LLC for myself. And I'm just going to go for this thing. So that was in 2009. And um, I freelanced for nine years, uh, just on my own, just kind of working for myself, contracting for different jobs, taking odd design jobs from um, anywhere. I didn't really have a website. So I, all of my, all of my, design work was coming from word of mouth, but I never was without like a design project to do. So it was, I was kept pretty busy and I worked really by myself um, until about 2015. I moved into a creative, uh, like a co-working space. This whole idea of like, this was a brand new idea to me. I was like, Oh, I could work with other people. This is kind of cool. Like I've been just by myself in a room for, you know, I don't know, six years, like just designing. And so I moved into this place, met a few other designers, one of which uh, is a designer on the internet. He goes by MDS. At the time, I'd never heard of him, um, didn't know anything about him. Um, he became a, a friend, we you know, working in that same space and really we kind of bouncing ideas off each other for our designs, getting feedback from one another. It was really, um, it was a really cool time. Come to find out later, MDS developed the float form for Google. So he, that whole like thing where you, you know, you click in a, a placeholder and it floats that label up to the side, that was, that was his thing that he came up with. Um, And so he had, you know, he was tremendously successful and, uh, he, I'll probably chat about him a little bit later when it comes to some resources for designing applications and things. But, um, he was a really big launch pad for me into kind of like my career going to the next place and next level. And, um, I really attribute probably every major step in my career to my friendship with him. So, um, networking with other designers is huge and other people that kind of do what you do, uh, which I'm sure you guys have seen that in the development space as well. But, um, but yeah, man, I did. So 2015, I really focused in on, I'm only going to do product design work. I'm going to turn away branding. I'm going to turn away website design. I'm going to t-shirt design. I'm, I'm going I'm to pass all that. And I'm going to focus on one thing. And so that's really what I did in 2015. And, uh, and did, that was like what I honed in on. And so I ended up at a software consultancy for a while as the only designer with about 10 or 11 other engineers or so. And I was the only, again, the creative director, the only design guy uh, with a bunch of developers, uh, which was really good experience though. It helped me to like get, you know, k- kind of understand how developers think, how they work and how they, you know, just working with them on, Hey, here's my constraints on the dev side and kind of building applications with constraints in mind. Uh, and it was just really good. Always getting feedback and-, and bouncing stuff off of them just made the designs better and more usable, uh, and actually developable, <laughs> I guess, instead of designing something that really couldn't be done. It's a real side. word for sure. So, uh, Yeah. Developable. Uh, it's a few, few extra syllables. (laughs) Uh, anyway, so I, so I I did that for about a year and a half COVID hit, right. I, uh, they, we had some design contracts in place for that company. And I really, I basically, I had a job with them, you know, salary kind of W2 job about six months of the year. And then these guys all had pump breaks on all tech spending, all the big clients. And so they, my boss called me one day and he said, you know, in two weeks, when the end of this month comes around, we're gonna have to transition you to a contract employee, um, off of salary. And, at this point, I kind of gotten used to salary, been doing it for about a year and a half at this point. And I had two kids and I was like, you know, I'm going to look for another salary job because I'm a little bit nervous about uh, not having a salary position. And so I, uh, I reached out to MDS and I said, dude, you know, anybody hiring? I know we, he and I had chatted about working together in the past and uh, he referred me over to unfold. He said unfolds hiring. You should reach out to these guys. I've been following their work for years. Just like you, Nick. I was like, dude, these guys do the best work. Like this is, this stuff's incredible um, can I really work for these guys? This, this would be amazing. So I had a call with one of the, um, partners there and, um, had another call the next week scheduled with the others and started working there two weeks later. And so I was there for the last two and a half years. And, um, that's kind of my design journey, I guess, up to this point. Um, as far as web three, I got into web three in the fall of 2021. Uh, at kind of the last big bull run of Solana. I mean, I was buying Solana at $250. Like a, like a true uh, hero. Like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't know anything about crypto investing. It was all new to me. Like, I, I you know, pretty much financially, like, illiterate when it comes to investing. Um, crypto has kind of been my world, my, like, introduction into investing in general. Like, I, I'm not, you know, wasn't educated on traditional investing. So I uh, had my crash course in crypto and lost tons of money. Uh, but I learned a lot. So I feel, that. The, yeah. <laughs> <I> feel that, yeah, feel that.
2: It's that's hard. My, that's my education. Market, that's
1: yeah. my college, right there, bro. That's that's my education fund, right there. All the money that I lost, you know, that's what I paid to learn the stuff that I that I know now. And in the in the process of that, right, I got into designing applications in Web three because they weren't they at that time they were all so bad, and um there weren't really many designers doing anything in Web three yet really because the adoption rate it was just it was still early you know in adoption of everything especially Solana was really uh, just gaining like a lot of popularity unfold did some work with Solana in the fall of 2020 when Solana was like three bucks no none of us bought any because we had, none of us had heard of Solana and we were like nah, I don't know about that um, we all wished that we had uh, a year later but um but yeah so I you know Solana was another client that we kind of carried and we still uh you know that unfold still had active um as of last week you know so um we've been closely working with solana for a long time and so i just kind of follow that chain more than anything else and uh got into designing stuff in that space and really have enjoyed it because it's a whole new like blue ocean of opportunity as far as design goes and i've been happy to see that applications have gotten much better in the last years. year or so yeah for uh, sure yeah des- designers have definitely started to come in and Notice, there's a ton of low hanging fruit here. Like, let's let's clean up some of this. And that's stuff. like one of the reasons so, I wanted to I to
0: bring you onto the show to like talk about it. Is that there are so many applications that are out there that have widely varying skills of of design efforts that they put into their applications. And like, I find that a lot of just general developers don't have a strong eye for, or they just don't care. They don't have a strong eye for like what a good uh, user interface actually like looks and feels like. And all the that like low hanging fruit because like you said there was a bunch of low hanging fruit so that's one of the things I wanted to actually talk about is and like kind of to circle back is like you you said you had shifted to product design Uh, so can you kind of like describe the just very quickly like the different like categories of design where you have like product you have like brand logos like can you like broad buckets yeah.
1: Yeah, so really in the digital space. So when you're when you're not yeah, just just purely purely digital for now. Yeah, so in the digital space, um, I, I kind of categorize it the way that we did it unfold. We have uh, we have an illustration category, right? That's your people that draw and they're really good at it. You have your branding, which is which marketing kind of um, marketing graphics kind of falls under that, right? So that's logos. That's your you know kind of deciding on a type typography that you're going to use, your colors, all that kind of stuff. That's like your branding. There's a ton more to that, obviously. Tone of voice. There's a, there's a lot in that category. Uh, and then you have web design and product design, which are, they're similar. Um, but each has, you know, there's a, each one has, is a, is a bit of a niche, right? So um, yeah. So those like four. Web, what's, product, what's the difference
0: between product design and web design? Cause like in my head as a developer who builds a lot of web things, I would, like I would think that they're the same thing. So what's the distinction between the two? They, they, it is a blurred line. Okay.
1: So m- there are a lot of products that start – when I think of websites, when I say websites also, I'm, I'm thinking like marketing websites. I'm thinking of websites that are more informational. So websites, you want them to be beautiful. You want them to be eye-catching to someone who has never heard of a, of a company or a product before, and they come there, and it makes them want to buy that thing right? or work with that company. That's like a marketing Website. That's like web. That's what I categorize as like web design. Then product design can either be web application based or like a native. Oh, okay, uh, okay, so gotcha. On a phone or an iPad. So, uh, but they are, they do blur sometimes. So you might have a a web a website that has kind of a landing kind of marketing front side of it, and then once you're like logged in, that that's the product side of it. So typically, those are like, you know, I would categorize those as two different kind of end goals. One is to get you to buy the thing, buy the product, the pro and then the product itself is to is you want it to be something that's usable and somebody keeps using, right? They find it valuable. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah.
2: You um you you touched on a thing just now that I wanna maybe maybe ask you while we're in the vein of you educating us, <laughs> right? Uh, I think a lot of our listeners are developers yep. who, um, no offense, listeners, could afford to learn more about design. Probably so, should. Uh, so maybe just yeah. <laughs> Like maybe just give us like a 30 to 60 seconds on like, uh, why does it matter that, uh, why does design matter? Like why, why, why do we care if our products have, you know, good UI UX in involved and, and like, what are the components that do matter?
1: Yeah. And I would break down you said UI UX breaking down like design into those two categories, especially when it comes to product. Um, when it comes to web, you're not going to deal, you're going to touch UX a little bit. Um, but when it comes to like actual like product design, you're building web applications or mobile applications. The UX is kind of like, think about a blueprint of a house. Before you build the house, you want you want the blueprint mapped out, right? You want to have like kind of that, uh, I mean, you want to have the blueprint, like when you think of a blueprint, right? You want to have elevations drawn, you know, you kind of have, think about that as kind of like wireframes, you know, you you want to have a general idea of hey the toilet's going to go this you need to figure room. out how
0: the interactions right. are going to happen like with a marketing site there's like very little interaction it's very just yeah. i'm looking at something maybe reading some text but like with an application there's immense varying amounts of of actual interaction and and sort of like depth i guess so that's like the the distinction yeah
1: yeah yeah and, and ux is a huge part in that you want you got to know where the sink's going to go and where the toilet's going to go because there's plumbing that goes over there. And so if I just if I just go right into UI and I'm just I'm just painting walls and I'm making stuff look cool, it looks cool. But when you walk into it and it hasn't been planned, like there's no U there's no user experience considered in that. And all you wanted to do is make something that looks pretty, then you end up with a, an, an a dysfunctional like situation, right? You don't, the toilet doesn't work. There's no water in the house because nobody planned, like it got stopped up over there because nobody thought about the fact that it's got to flow through this area. So it's the same the, thing when the it comes door to doesn't actually body. open. It's exactly. just a doorknob glued it's a to pretty the door.
0: James, are you talking from <laughs> experience with the active it. construction in your basement right now?
1: <laughs> yep. Yep.
2: It's, yeah, it's, it's currently happening. Uh, the
1: door handle's on the wrong side. You're opening on the hinge side. You're like, why did somebody put that over there? Put it... <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's that same idea, right? So that's the UX versus the UI, which is, where it ends up at the end and it's pretty. Right. Um, so yeah, I would say you want to definitely have heavy consideration for the user experience. Right. And then you want to go over all that with this pretty, like end result, which also is not just the color and the typography. It's also the interactions it's micro interactions. It's like delightful things in the UI maybe hover states that like you have cool interactions and behaviors of things. Um, so things that people just like want to use, they enjoy using it. Um, if all those things aren't considered and you just have everything's kind of thrown in there. And a lot of times this happens that it might start good, but then you add features over time. This happens a ton with like projects that are developer heavy and they don't have designers. They might have a designer at the front. It looks cool over time. Features are added. Stuff just gets put in there. Like right. New buttons. Everything just gets shoehorned into like a random place. It's just, yeah. And then nobody can find out how to do anything. And I, you know, I don't know. So yeah, those are just some, I guess, examples, but, That's why it's important to think about it, you know, uh, on the dev side, you have like all this information. I don't even know what you call it. It's like, uh, the engineering, like object-based thinking, right. Of how stuff's going to actually work, how you're going to actually accomplish the tech side of certain things. But you need someone to come in and also say like, Hey, well, don't put that button right beside that button because those are one of those buttons is going to ruin everything. And the other button is going to be the thing the user wants. Right. Or like, you know, it's, it's, and that's like a really obvious kind of situation well, but there's a lot well of
2: in, in my experience it's a lot like uh it's it's a lot like the developers are going to make sure the electricity gets to the light switch exactly. they care that you can turn on the light and then uh the designer is going to make sure that the door swings away from the light switch rather than into the light switch so that you're like you have to reach around the door to turn on the light right it's it's it, uh We don't, we, and by we, I mean devs, we don't often think about that. We're so focused on like making sure that the guts behind the wall exist and get to where they need to get that when it comes to like actually placing the door, it's like, well, no, there's a door. It's great. And then all of a sudden people are using it and they're like, man, this door just opens the wrong direction. If someone had just thought beforehand to put the hinges on the other side, things would be golden.
1: (laughs) A hundred percent. And developers, until they're really exposed to that, like... How much better it helps their product be then they're like dude there's a door there don't complain like why are you that there's a door classic exactly. you know and you're like well dude <laughs> like no, nobody wants to nobody's gonna use this nobody's gonna ever walk through this door and so yeah that's the that's the stuff i kind of learned in working with developers is like it's okay like they're most of the time i feel like they're a little a little, a little abrupt a little bit forward you know and i i just gotta learn not to be offended i think sometimes because they're also like doing a lot of work and a lot of stuff in the back end to make all this stuff work you know Yeah, it works. So So, there's a ton of work going in there.
2: Well, so, so another, another thing you mentioned, right. Is that in the last year you feel like web three, um, products have, have gotten so much better Mm -hmm. and I'm curious, I want to, I want to break this into a two-parter, uh, first part being, what have you seen get better? What are you happy about over the last 12 months or so? And then the second part being what still needs to get
1: better. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, as far as stuff that has gotten better, um, I'd say in, in general, like the way stuff looks as a whole, right. The way stuff looked in 2021, it looked like developers were designing it. it you could tell that no designer had been involved. So there was, there wasn't much consideration yeah, they did. for, <laughs> yeah, there wasn't much consideration for typography, for color, for like, for the user experience, where buttons are located, where, uh. It just, you could just tell that the, the thought processes were just not a designer. You could just tell. Um, and I'd say a lot of that has changed. There's been a, a ton of consideration for user experience, ton of consideration for pretty interfaces. Uh, so that's all gotten better. I think as a whole, I think in a lot of cases, a lot of these web three sort of UX issues have been solved to the best of the ability that it kind of exists right now, as far as the tech can go. There's a lot of things I feel like Solana specifically is doing with like Saga, right, that are improving a lot of UX stuff that is problematic in Web3, for, especially for like new users. Because um, designing for Web3 really isn't that different from designing for Web2. Um, as far as like UI and design principles, everything is the same. Um, the same way you designed an application in Web2 is going to be the same way you, you would design it as far as the interface the way it looks, right? The way you might handle color, the way you handle typography, the way you handle spacing. Um, that's all the same. The main differences in Web3 are all around UX. So you have you know, the learning curve of users on how wallets work, right? Do I have a wallet? What, if I don't have one, how do I get one? Um, on how, how stuff works in general, signing transactions, approving things, like single, like one transaction and that's it. I I, I can't do, undo it. You know, there's, there's a learning curve that people have to have and a confidence that users have to grow in in like new technology um there's disruptive user experience with wallets right i might be if you're in a browser and you're interacting with a website and you hit a button all of a sudden a pop-up comes up and i have to like approve something if someone's not used to this like it's it's a i call it disruptive ux of the of wallets yeah it's exactly group. what it is it yeah i was, was of, gonna say that exact yeah, phrasing it's, so it's perfect yeah it's jarring and it's unfamiliar because it doesn't exist in web 2 but like when you see something like uh what Solana's doing with Saga, right, where all this stuff is is integrated into the hardware that then integrates into the software and the user experience itself, where you hit a button, it's just a quick like your your fingers over. I mean, I don't have a saga, but from what I've seen, right? The way Seed Vault works and you can with pretty much instantly pretty great the same way that yeah, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Um I mean, just as quick as you would scan a um, you know, to pay with your phone with Apple Pay at the store that, that, that level of like seamlessness is being, and even better really is being put into wallets that are native on a phone. So some of these things are getting taken care of, right. They're, they're being solved. Um, but I think a lot of the, you know, I think designers are doing the best they can right now with the user experience as, as the tech limits right now, right? Like there's no way around in a browser having some kind of pop-up come up to approve a transaction. Right. Um, that may or may not change in the future. This might be like new user behavior that people just adopt as normal if people want to get into it. Um, the the thing I think about Web3 is just education around stuff. So if you're gonna, like especially first time user experiences within applications can get better. I feel like that's one thing that could be still improved. Um, you have a lot of people that are not educated financially to get in and use a lot of DeFi applications in hope of making money, yeah. right? But they also they're also not like financially like me. They're not really financially like investor literate, right? So they they could lose a lot of money. They could make decisions that they don't know what they're doing, or they might click a button that, you know, moves funds they didn't want to move. into. You know, it's just there's in in Web three also you're you're responsible, right? You're, it's self custody. You're the one in charge of all your stuff, which has all the good stuff about about it and all, all the, the good and stuff. the bad. Yeah, like, you make a wrong decision, yeah, you make a wrong decision, you're screwed. You make good decisions, it could be really awesome. So, uh, so you have that sort of dynamic that you're dealing with in design. And so when you're getting to first time user experiences, I feel like are really huge. And a lot of these applications I haven't seen really target that yet, which is kind of normal. I feel like you get an application that works, it works well, the UI looks good. People can use it really well. Then I feel like you'll start getting this wave of like people that educate you the first time you get into something. Uh, I I feel like, um, I feel like uh, Orca might've done a good job of this and I haven't been a first time user in a really long time, but they're pretty good about educating users on the platform and how to use it and making sure that you know what you're doing. And if you don't like kind of advising you away from it until you do.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's kind of like the part of the whole thing with like general, like good user experience is You have to understand your audience correctly. And it's like with web Mm -hmm. three in general, you're either going to have an audience that really, really knows what's going on in like the general web three space. And they're, they're used to these new interaction flows, the wallet pop-up, click a couple of extra buttons, mm. but then on the flip side, especially when there's like a bull market going on, there's a lot of traction in in blockchain tech in general, you're gonna have all those newer people that are gonna come in and they're discovering this new flow for the first time ever. And it, right. it like you said, it is super disruptive when you're not used to it because all of like quote unquote traditional web two has been so optimized the last like 10 or 15 years to just streamline everything the one of the goal metrics that a lot of companies have and and products have is like the having the least amount of user interaction to accomplish the task mm-hmm. and like take twitter for example right. to report a spam tweet on twitter it takes 13 clicks is that good is that bad i'll leave that up to twitter to decide personally i think that's horrible like I'm trying to do I'm trying to do like I'm trying to really take one for the team over here reporting spam tweets that I get. And it takes me thirteen clicks and like fifteen seconds to finally like report a spam tweet. like it's just like clearly it's not something that's like optimized. Um, I digress though. but it's like or or it's intentional. or it's intentional, which like that's the other thing is like designing an interface in like it, like an interaction flow with the intent in mind. if that is intentional, then, Great job, Twitter! Like you have intentionally slowed me down of reporting spam tweets. Good job. Yeah, you
1: don't, that's you totally- don't know.
2: It, it totally, it totally could have been an executive telling a designer like, "Hey, we want this to be a challenging process. We don't want you reporting stuff unless you are like
0: determined to do it in
2: it, and you and and, and exactly. you and you want to give us all the information that we need in order to appropriately investigate. We just we don't want just like hundreds of thousands of, uh, of, you know, reports that don't have any information about why it's being reported. Right. So, yeah. so it it's, it's not like, which bring, I think brings up an important consideration of design that it's like, good design is something that, in my opinion, facilitates the reason for its existence, which may or may not agree with what you think is the reason
0: for something you might not have the correct reason for existence, or at least the same reason for existence, same understanding of it. So yeah, that makes absolute sense. Mm -hmm. But I mean,
2: Phil, you, I think you said something like incredible, which is you, you touched on the importance of educating new users. Some of my favorite apps are apps that like the onboarding process just leaves me feeling like, Oh, I know where I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand what I'm doing here. I'm thinking, uh, one of my favorite apps I think for this was like when I first, uh, used the Headspace app. Mm-hmm. I don't know if either. Of you I'm familiar, familiar with, with it, but I never it's used like it. A guide, guide, it's like a guided meditation app. Um, and I, I remember, so, so like my background Phil is, is in uh, native iOS development. That's like kind of how I got started. And so I, I, uh, I was entering into a contract with, with headspace. And so I was I downloaded their app and was like going through it for the first time. Uh, and I, I remember feeling like five minutes in, I remember feeling two things. One was that I never even tried to skip the onboarding. It just like it, it was engaging and it kept, it kept me in it to where I never was like, how do I skip this? Right. So that was the first thing, right. It was like, I actually wanted to do it. And then the second thing was. By the end of it, it was like, oh, I know how to use this app, right? Maybe I don't know all the nuances of it, but it's like I feel comfortable. You have a good here. feeling about I it. I feel yeah. like I've been given a tour. I've been given a tour of the house. I know. I know. You know how to where all the, the doors are and all the light switches are. <laughs> I know where exactly, exactly, exactly. Right. Um, and like, uh, I hadn't actually thought about this in in Web three until you said that. That it's like I have yet to have that experience in in a Web three application. Even as, even as like a, a, a long time user, it's, I often feel uh, out of place when I step into a, a new application. And I think that's a thing I would love to see change in the space.
1: Yeah. And I would say that, I mean, Headspace probably spent some immense time on that onboarding. Um, Absolutely. So that they put a high, high, you know, priority on that i'm sure there were multiple designers working on that And i think there's like a lot of animation and stuff that's in that process of that onboarding system i mean they make it like it's they spend a ton of time on that Um, it is a delightful experience yeah uh to to say the least yeah and i would say most of the time i mean when it comes to onboarding most of the time i skip them right now I, i did look at headspace it's been a long time since i got into headspace but i do i feel like i remember like really nice animations interactions like And you kind of want to go through it just to see how the next one responds and works as you're going through the thing. Uh, So it's almost like entertainment while you're doing the onboard. That actually, that
0: that brings up a good question that I actually have now is as like a designer who's designed a bunch of products before, like when you go through the internet and like applications, are you like, do you kind of pick up on those things if you're, you're just like, I don't want to say like nitpicking uh, like a product as you're using it, but like More or less, like, because I'm a developer. When I go through like websites, I'm like, oh, they could have done this so much better. I would have done it like this. Do you do that same kind of like thing where you're like, I would have done this interaction? Yeah, you you can't help it. Right. You can't
1: help it, especially when something's like glaring in your face, you know, like that. Oh, oh, I can't find the button. Oh, there it is. Oh, I should probably, you probably shouldn't put that up there. If it took me that long to find the share button, you know, or whatever. Uh, So, yeah, yes, I do that. I do that. I think I don't think you can help. Yeah, with, it's
0: fair. But. What a what kind of like low hanging fruit can you think of that you see a lot of the times as you're either going through like random applications or like when you're doing actual yeah. um like your actual work work, uh, like what sort of like low hanging fruit that you could like recommend people to like aside from an obvious of like be a new user, use your application and see how it feels, which like so many uh, developers who like solo, maybe one or two developers on a, on a product clearly do not do. And like that would solve a lot of problems if they just experienced it as a new user for the first time, but that's a separate, that's a separate thing that they should add to their to-do list.
1: Yeah. I think, um, I think Jake Knapp has a book about like the Google sprint process. It's been out for a long time. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but he talks about in there, if you can get five people to test your application, you can get five user tests. So I get five friends, to test your application, you're going to get like eighty or ninety percent of the feedback you re- that you need to make it better. Um, so you you don't. It's not that you need some huge user base. Like if you're if you need to test something on someone, don't test it on one person, right? Because they might have some kind of bias and they might know something that a lot you know several other people wouldn't. But test it on like five people, which normally is pretty easy to get five people to try something out that you've done and uh, and give you feedback on it. And that's going to give you most most all the issues that are going to be there. Uh, for the ma- vast majority of the population minus some outliers. Um so that's like one like easy way to test something just to get 5 people.
0: That's really clever I like uh, that.
1: as far as as far as like low hanging fruit on the design side, accessibility I find uh a lot of times is just not considered at all. Um so when I say accessibility mainly around color. So in and in web3 you use you see a lot of dark UIs. Um so it's uh, the color it's it's a contrast thing. So if you're going into an application and you might have like a white, um, white text on a darker background, but that white text might be turned down to like forty percent opacity or thirty or twenty, right? And you, you're you're put it on there. People are supposed to be able to read it, but you're trying to create some like depth, you know, with the te- But there was no consideration for the accessibility of like, oh man, there's like that probably doesn't pass. Like, there's actually contrast uh, guidelines. I can't remember what it's called right now. There's like a W. UCAG, WCAG or something where you have like there's like a World Wide Web kind of guidelines for accessibility. And there's a ton of contrast checkers and stuff, especially with Figma. And there's one like I'm sure there's several in browser. Um and those are the sorts of things. Like those are like some things when I look at an app, I can immediately see text or um buttons with like the text on it, like the colors they chose. Like you can tell, like, hey, if I if that was a colorblind person looking at that button, like they probably wouldn't be able to see the text on it or they wouldn't be able to read that. That might look blurry to somebody because that's that's 11 point font, right? At a a 50% opacity. Like it looks, it might look kind of cool on your design. It might in the context of everything, but like, dude, no one's gonna, that's gonna be missed and overlooked and some people won't be able to see it. So there's like different, there's accessibility things between type size, type color that I feel like is a really low hanging fruit a lot of times. Um, Kind of an attempt to like add depth to the design or add some variation to type. Accessibility is like, kind of thrown to the wind or not even thought about. So accessibility, I think is like a low hanging fruit. Um, it, I mean, while we're on the subject of type, I mean, inconsistent type, like hierarchy, too many type styles, right. Um, is like a thing, um, especially in kind of design, maybe not as much in developers. Developers are going to think more about the number of type styles. Cause they have to code a new class for every single new type style. So they're probably going to code less of them. Um, which, which you should, that you should shoot to like use as few type styles as you possibly can right? For me, I try to have like a, you know, I have like a body small, I have like, I have kind of like my, my starter kit of type, right? And then I'll kind of adjust as an application might need it. And if it's for a web app versus a mobile app, you know, I'll have like a small body, a regular body, you know, maybe it may be a large, right. And only like a couple weights, you know, um, I try, I try to keep it to as few fonts as possible. I know there's like a rule of fours, I think out there, MDS goes into some of this stuff um, where you try to stay to like four type styles. So if you have like a, a body small and a body regular, and then you have two header styles, that's like four sizes. And then you have you use variants of those. So you might use bold and regular of one. You might use an all caps version. There's a lot of ways you can kind of mix up the type. But I feel like uh, a lot of times in design you see like a lot of inconsistency and in sizes, and
0: you know can can get a little bit all over the place. Yeah, and using fonts, like, typefaces that are super hard to read. Like, people want to use, like, fancy yeah. ones. There's, like, oh, look at this really elaborate calligraphy. It's, like, great, it looks nice, but, like, what the crap does that say? I can't read that on my phone. Like, I hate when people yeah. use cursive fonts yep. on the internet. <laughs> yes. Yes, the, all those things.
1: <laughs> um, and, like, thinking about types that have, if you're going to be using, you know, you're going to have small text in your app, make sure your your typography has a high X height. Mm-hmm. So the way that it's designed, like it's, 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 it's let it's red better, better at small sizes. Um, even, even with color itself, like the idea of using color in applications, um, another low hanging fruit is just being intentional with color. So don't just throw color in for the sake of having color, like have color be a very intentional use. Like I, I try to, I'm like super utilitarian, I think, and systematic in my thinking about color. I try to strip everything down to neutrals. Like it's like some variant of like black to white right? For most everything in the application. And then I, I inject color only when it's going to like actually add to the mm-hmm. UI's like functionality, not necessarily just for the sake of like, Oh, I got some, I got a few different colors in there just cause it looks nice. Now it's a bonus if it looks nice, right? You want it to look nice, yeah, for sure, sure. <laughs> but you want to be, in, but you want to be intentional with the color, right? You want the color to be the, something like on screen, that draws you to something like if there's a bunch of colors on a screen. Like no one knows what to look at. Right. So, uh, that's just kind of another low hanging fruit. It's just like being intentional with color. Um, you can design a lot of really great things with just black and white. You don't even actually need color. There's a lot of, there's lots of other techniques you can use without injecting like vibrant colors everywhere. So
2: I, um, so, so a lot of what we've talked about so far is, is pretty, it is like, how do we get developers to think about design more and how do, you know, how can, how can they do this on their own? I want to, I want to, pivot slightly uh, and and address a, a, sli- a similar but slightly different audience, which is a lot, I think a lot of people who today are just kind of engineers in the Web3 space, uh, six months from now, 12 months from now might be starting a new company or, or, or a brand new project, um, maybe get some funding and, you know, they will be hiring some devs and I, I would love for you to make the pitch for them to also hire a designer, right? So like, like if you were, so for example, if I were starting a company today, I said, hey, I'm building this new Web3 product. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I've already got like three guys who are gonna join the dev team. Uh, you know, I'd really love for you to help me out on the design side of things. How should I be thinking about design moving forward? At what point do I need a full-time designer versus just contracted help? You know, sort of, what would your guidance be if I was just a friend starting a company, uh, who knows very little about the, the design process?
1: Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. I hadn't thought much about this before of like, when does it make sense to inject a designer into an app, like a new startups process, you know, cause I think about some of these companies that had their early starts, like they didn't have great design stripe awful. It was awful design. Um, Airbnb, not good. Uh, but it didn't matter at the time. They were just trying to build a, a functional product that you know, they could get people to try out and use. And it became more important over time to develop systems that people could use more intuitively. So I think when I, when I think about startups, I would think like, I wouldn't necessarily tell a startup, like go hire a design immediately or a, hire a full-time designer immediately. Um, I would say like if you, I would say hire one as a contractor to cast vision for what you want to build. Um, If you can hire a designer that can get kind of like get your thoughts into a designer's head around like what the vision is for what you're going to build and like, Hey, can you design something that kind of cast the vision for this sort of functionality in like a beautiful way that you can, cause there's plenty of prototyping tools. I mean, natively in Figma, we prototype all the time. You can make an application feel pretty dang real, just prototyping, you know, prototyping it, especially if you're, if you're the one walking through it and you're everything you're clicking works. The whole thing feels like a functioning application. That's a great, that is a great thing to use a designer for at the very beginning of a process. It also can help cast vision for the developers on like what, you know, what they're going to be like working on and building. Um, But I wouldn't necessarily tell a startup to go right out the gate, go hire designers. I would, I would build some of the infrastructure in place, um, but I would have a designer cast vision. And then I'd probably keep that guy on tabs for like, once we got into like, we built some of this infrastructure. Okay. We're actually going to start putting together something. We need to be usable. We need to start testing this with some people. I would bring a designer in at that point to like, even if it's like at a very a low fidelity, you know, kind of place of like, Hey, can you, I need you to like, don't, we're not going to worry too much about this thing being absolutely, you know, jaw dropping. Still, still like
2: part-time contact yeah, though.
1: Probably. And it, de- it depends on, you know, like how much funding you have. If you have a lot, then it's great to design to bring designers in early because they're really going to help like consistently like cast vision to, you know, of where it's going to go. It get, it keeps people excited, too. It keeps investors excited when you have, you know, fit, like visual like stuff to show them rather than like a presentation of like a chart of where certain, you know, how the tech's going to work. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's cool. But if I can if I can have like a, a visual, you know. If I, if I got an information diagram of a bunch of like, you know, diamonds and stuff of like, you know, database, you know, whatever you, whatever you call those flow charts that are like in text, like showing how the tech works, you know, but if you can get a designer to like, okay, here's here's that slide, all right. And here's what it could look like, you know, potentially. Uh, it can also help you get a lot more money from investors to have those those people that you can kind of rely on to ca- help help you cast vision. So if the money's there, like bring a designer in as early as you can Um, and really it's kind of the value you're, you're putting on it. I mean, and how much you think you can leverage the design to help further the product quicker. Uh, if you have like a good designer, that's say you have a good designer on staff they're just like full time, they're both like working on the actual application. They're also working on casting vision for future features or, you know, or whatever. They're just kind of working on keeping everything like for these presentations you're having with investors or you're putting a website out that's kind of more of a splash page right you don't have you have subscriber like signups people are just signing up they can't use the application yet having like beautiful design work and all that you're going to get a lot more subscribers if the thing looks nice um yeah. it looks easy to use like it, i mean more so than if you just had a a description of what it is and like a single screenshot like if you actually were able to cast some vision even for potential users and start getting signups like that's extremely valuable right if you have an email list of 25,000 users ready to like sign up for this product right away. It's better than not, you know, I don't know, not not having that and trying to, you know what I mean?
0: Can you give like a frame of reference uh, yeah. of like how, nice. so if someone was going to hire a part-time uh, or, or a contract-based designer, can you give a frame of reference of what that would like cost? Especially if it's like a startup, they've never done it before. Like cause I have zero frame of reference. I, I recently hired someone to do some logo work and I just zero frame of reference, completely new territory. So it was like an interesting learning thing. Um, but any guidance you have on that, and then like also the, what's what's the way I, I want to phrase this? Like the speed of it. Like, if if I hire a designer, he like give the vision of this is the product we're building. Maybe we have like a, like an MVP already built. Designer, make it better. Do your thing. How long is like a good timeline to kind of expect that like scope of work to be accomplished? Dude, that's a, you're gonna get a wide range. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's fair.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're, it, a lot of it depends on timelines too. If you give a designer a timeline, they'll tell you if it's doable or not, right? Like, Hey, we got an MVP. I need this done in two months. Like, can you get this, can you redesign this thing or give this thing a face in two months? Uh Probably. Yeah. If you come to a designer and they're like, can you give this a face in a week? They're gonna be like, mm. a good designer is probably gonna tell you no. Um Somebody who's, just like getting into it might be like, yeah, let's try it, you know, and they're going to spend like all night, multiple nights during the week, and they're going to be burned out after seven days. And you're going to end up with something you don't like. And um, so it's going to vary a lot. And designer costs are going to vary a lot. You're going to pay a lot more for somebody who has done this for years, right? And they've kind of built a bunch. They've worked for a lot of different places um, versus somebody who just either they are self-taught and they're just Kind of doing their first ones, or they just took a boot camp, right? And they just got out, and they just they just want like a they want somewhere to work. They want practice, you know. Um, they want experience. So it's it's going to vary a lot. You're gonna it's going to take a lot less time probably with somebody who is experienced to get to the place that is a better end result. Um, even somebody that's newer to design, they might they might be fast, but they might not be thinking about a lot of these UX things. They may just be thinking about how do I make this thing pretty and look good, and they're not necessarily taking into account a lot of the user experience stuff. So at the end of the day, you end up with something that looks really cool, but then your developers go in to build it and they're like, uh, this, this doesn't really work. Or you finally get in front of some users and they're like, ah, uh, I can't figure out how to use this thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, and it also depends on how big this application is. Right. And like how simple or, so it's kind of hard to give an answer. Uh, but as far as hourly rates, right. If you were yeah, to hire. Let's go a, with that. It's a good, like
0: I mean, good way to, to think of it. Yeah, I mean,
1: I would expect anything from uh, 50 bucks an hour, right, to hire a designer to work on stuff to 150 plus an hour, likely. Um, And then if you're, you'd probably get better, you might get better rates if you were to hire them for contracted periods of time. Um, nobody likes to just sit there and like run a clock. Oh, and yeah. Bill. Like, at least I'd, I, I haven't met anybody that like loves having a clock running. And then I got to pause it to go eat lunch or like go to the bathroom. You know, it's just like nobody wants to have a clock running. Um, you hit the timer, you forget to turn it off or you forget to turn it back on. Uh, how much time for me, it's like super It's like, I'm like, I hate, I hate having a clock. Um, so for <laughs> like me, I'm, I'm much it. more it's like the worst like, experience ever. It's the worst dude. It's the worst. So I would, I would much rather just tell you like, Hey man, I'm going to, you know, generally design, I'll probably get in, I'll work on it this week, probably get in a few hours a day, you know, or I wouldn't even give a time, like a time of like working on it. I would just have kind of a goal right for a week or, or for two weeks of time. Um and I would tell most designers could probably tell you what's realistic in those time periods based on what you want so i don't i don't know if that really answers your question because it is really like it's a super broad <laughs> summarize it that is, is, a, is
0: approximately maybe a good starting point is like probably fifty to to one hundred and fifty an hour, and then also a very strong yeah. it depends. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it really it just depends you know how fair. big you know and
2: yeah and 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 like worth caveating because i know we have listeners all over the world that that like this, this is u.s u.s based pricing mm, yeah. and given yeah. that the world is kind of remote i would expect it to be normalizing kind of all over right like i expect a i expect a great designer you know regardless of where they live is is charging within that range um but it will vary a little bit um the thing that is i think super valid uh from what you said is is that like hey to get a robust reworking of of a product is not a couple of day thing regardless of who the designer is right it's like we're looking at anywhere from a few weeks to a few months depending on the on the scope of of the application um which hopefully developers who are listening, that doesn't sound wild to you because you've probably been in the same spot where a stakeholder is like, Hey, can you create this feature by tomorrow? And you're like, that feature is going to take three weeks. Like you you can't give me 24 hours. So in this, in the same goes for design, especially if you want it to be, to be um, thoughtful and, and intentional. And I think that, um, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of hitting uh, up against time here. So I won't ask the question that I kind of wanted to ask, which, which was, you know, what, what are tips you have for developers to work better with designers? Like you mentioned, yeah, earlier I was that on that <laughs> when you were, uh, working at a, at a developer agency, like you learned how to work with developers, you learned how to get the most from your interactions with them. I'd love for developers to learn the same in reverse. How can developers get the most out of their interaction with, with, um, designers. And maybe we can save that for, for a conversation another day, but I do just want to say like uh, some mutual respect goes a long way recognizing that like, Hey, uh, designers are not just like, like you said, they're not just throwing type and color on a page and like handing it to you. They're, they're trying to be very thoughtful, very intentional about what are the interactions in this application that makes sense? What, what are, wh- what are the visuals that will actually, um, you know, entice users and make them enjoy it, but also draw their eye toward the right things, you know, make them click on the right things. It's not, it's not just like, oh yeah, I drew this thing and it looks good. It's, it's how can we truly make this a great experience for users?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I would say just keep it, you're on the same team, you know, like remember you're on the same team. One of you plays offense, one of you plays defense. So you might not understand like all of the plays that the other one's going to do and how their, how their stuff works and how their system works. But at the end of the day, you're just trying to like get the thing done and have it be done really well. You're trying to win, right? And you need both sides of the team to do it. Um, so I don't know. That analogy just kind of came to mind as you're talking about
0: yeah. Working, yeah. working together. Makes but sense. That, that
1: that is like what it is. Like you, the the quarterback doesn't really understand necessarily maybe how the, the linebacker is doing his thing, right? Um, so it's uh yeah the mutual respect thing is huge. I think it's really helpful for designers to know constraints. Um, to know that like things that, Hey, you know, and, and uh, try to be graceful with designers too. Cause they're trying to, you know, they're trying to make something that does look nice and people want to use, and they will do stuff that you're like, dude, that interaction's not possible. Like what's going to be processing on the back end when a user hits that, like we can't, we can't do that thing. Um, and that's okay. I think knowing that you're both there to sharpen each other is like the end result is going to be better because you're pushing each other, right? It's good for designers to push developers to do stuff they're uncomfortable with and to find like ways around traditional ways of developing things. And it's good for designers to put constraints uh, or for developers to put constraints on designers to kind of like dampen a little bit of like, do whatever you want, (laughs) you know, to like, Hey, we need to like contain this thing. We need to contain it to make it actually doable. But those, yeah, I mean, a good a good dev team with a good design team, like that, kind of learn to to like get along really well together, and to sharpen each other, and to push each other, is gonna be the applications that are like heads above everybody else, where everyone's arguing all the time. Um, awesome.
2: you know, So, awesome. I, I love yeah. that. Um, well, Phil, th- th- yeah, thank thank so you much so for, much for joining, for joining us. us today. I, I it was, um, you know, it, it was educational, and it, and it was also it's like fun to to talk about this stuff. I think uh, it might be cool for us to to do another one of these where maybe we go through a couple of existing
0: applications Ooh, I and like we, that and we sort
2: of talk about like almost like a roast but but like sure. obviously kind and, and positive and yeah and and I I just I would love for the crypto community to push the bounds of of crypto UX and so in the same way that you said it's great for designers to push developers it's like maybe we could do that here right maybe we can go through a couple of applications and, and, fun. um, throw out some wild ideas for how we could sort of push the boundaries of, of crypto user experience. Um, uh, because that's, I mean, I think that's the sort of thing we need in order to, to evolve and, and attract more people to the space.
1: A hundred percent. I think that'd be really fun.
0: I'm cool. down. I'm down. Cool. All right. As we, <laughs> awesome. uh, as we sign off here, is there anywhere, anywhere that you want to point anyone to Phil, other than your Twitter, we'll link you up in the, in the description and whatnot. Um, yeah, my Twitter, uh, I've become more active on that since I got involved in web
1: three, I didn't touch. I think it says like been around since 2009 on Twitter. And I don't think I had a single, like, I probably had two tweets in between then and t- 2021. Um, I was the same. Me too. <laughs> yeah. so uh, yeah, Twitter, <laughs> my website is fhlcreative.com uh, dot com, Um, which is the same as my, my Twitter is FHL creative. So FHL creative.com. Um, and I'm trying to think, I do have some fun kind of Maybe potentially news coming out soon. Working on some some business things, some little venture things that might uh, come out Ooh, soon. So if you stay need too. design work for an application, there might be some options. Uh, I would love to work with you. So there might be some options for that coming out soon.
0: So awesome, great, love to see it, love to hear it.
2: Sweet. All right. Maybe. Well, we'll uh, we'll wrap up there then, listeners. We'll we'll uh, see you all next time.
0: All right. Bye bye. take